Our reading this morning comes from Romans chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sin and was raised to life for our justification. This is the word of the Lord. Father God, we ask this morning that you would give us faith like Abraham. Faith in your promises so that we might have hope against all hope, that we might know that the promises held out to us in the gospel are guaranteed, that we may take hold of them and live as your people forever. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's going to be a time for questions at the end, so if I say anything that seems confusing or you'd like to ask about, we'll have a chance to do that at the end. But for quite a few weeks now, uh, we've been considering this doctrine of justification by faith, which is this glorious reality that people like you and me, who are sinful, guilty, facing God's wrath, can be forgiven and counted right with God. Not because of how hard we try or how good we are, but simply by Believing. Now, that's a really important theological truth. Martin Luther calls this the doctrine uh, by which the church stands or falls. Which is basically to say that if this is true, good, (laughs) essential. If it is not true, we are wasting our time. The church is dead. It's vital that we understand this truth, uh, but I don't want us to miss the fact just of how incredible it is. We can have our sins forgiven, our death penalty reversed, 
We can have God the Father look down on us with the same love and affection that he has when he looks down on his own son, Jesus. And we can have all that right now, in an instant, without lifting a finger. And we can have that with absolute certainty, with no doubt. This is good news. A few years ago, uh, Janice got one of those Centrelink robo-debt email or letters in the post uh, claiming that she owed Centrelink, do you remember the amount? Yeah, 20-something thousand dollars. At the time, Janice was pregnant with Josiah and I was at college earning a grand total of $8,000 a year. It was a little stressful. But after weeks and weeks and weeks of phone calls and arguments and submitting documents and tears, eventually Janice's debt was cleared. It was a very good feeling the day we got that letter. It was a weight off our shoulders. But all along we knew Janice didn't owe Centrelink a cent. The claim was false. She owed nothing. Friends, imagine how much more joy there is when you are actually guilty and yet God declares us righteous. Well, friends, you don't need to imagine it. That is our story. This is the gospel. Our sin credited to Jesus. Jesus' righteousness credited to us. The guilty declared innocent. The ungodly welcomed by God. It's incredible. And all of it hinges on one thing, faith. We are justified by faith. Which leads to a really important question, and one that we sometimes overlook. What is faith? It's clearly important. We are justified by faith. So what is it? How do we get it? How do we know if we've got enough of it? Well, these are the questions that we're going to answer this morning as in Romans 4, Paul continues to teach us, using Abraham as an example, how justification always has been and always will be by faith alone. And so looking at the life of Abraham this morning, we're going to see, the points are on the back of the outline, that faith is one, given by God, placed in God and based upon God. I'll help you see how those three things are actually different. But first, faith is given by God. Paul begins verse 16 like this. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace. Now, if you're familiar with the story of Abraham... Or if you're not familiar, uh, Abraham was a, a gentleman that we meet right at the beginning of the Bible in the first book of Genesis. He's living in a pagan country. He's worshiping false gods. But then the true God calls him and makes him a promise. God tells Abraham that he will make him into the father of many nations and that through Abraham's descendants, God would bless all the people of the world. And that's a promise that we see ultimately fulfilled in the Lord Jesus, the descendant of Abraham, who brings God's blessings to 
all the people of the world. But we saw last week that at this point, Abraham was not only childless, he was old, too old to have children. And yet even in the face of that impossibility, Abraham believed God. He had faith in the promises and he was counted righteous. Now tell me, what did Abraham do to get God to make those promises? How did he get God to treat him so favorably? The astounding answer is nothing. Abraham did nothing. God just made promises. Abraham wasn't particularly special. He wasn't an influencer. He wasn't trending on TikTok. He wasn't even worshipping God. And God called him and made promises to him. And so the only reason that Abraham had faith was because God gave it to him. God made him a promise. He graciously did that. Now, quite often we talk about faith And we talk about it like it's something that we sort of conjure up from deep within ourselves. Now, there's a scene in Alice's Adventure in Wonderland where Alice meets the White Queen and refuses to believe that the Queen is 101 years old. I can't believe that, says Alice. It's impossible. And the Queen says, try again. Draw a long breath. And shut your eyes. Practice. Well, sometimes I've believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Quite often we think of faith like that. Drawing a long breath, shutting our eyes, and willing ourselves to believe the impossible. But friends, faith is not something that we conjure up from the inside. It's something that happens to us from the outside. Because faith is accepting God's gracious promise. Faith is given. Now, in verse 16, Paul shows us two really important implications of that truth. Firstly, because faith is given, that means that justification being declared right with God, is guaranteed. See verse 16, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Now, if we're to try and secure our own justification, then it would not be guaranteed. It would be very much up in the air. It would be as unfinished as my guitar lessons. But if your justification depends... Sorry, not but. If your justification depends on how well you can conjure up faith, well, you have every right to be anxious. But if faith is given, if justification comes to us as a gracious promise that that doesn't depend on us at all, but depends entirely on the finished work of Christ, 
Well, friends, our justification is guaranteed. It's a done deal. To use Jesus' words, it is finished. I hope you see how good news that is. That is so good. It does not depend on you. It depends on him, and it's it's done. That's the first implication. The second implication, that because faith is given, it's available to everyone. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, Jews, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham, non-Jews. He is the father of us all. Paul's point here is that because faith is given, it doesn't matter whether you keep the Mosaic law or not. The promise of blessing that God made to Abraham is a promise that is guaranteed for all Abraham's children, both the law-possessing kind, the Jews, and the non-law-possessing kind, the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Faith is given, which means God's promises are available to anyone. No one is too far gone. No one's sin is too much. No one is beyond the reach of God. Now, do we really believe that? I want you to imagine that you've got two friends. Only two. Uh, one's a social worker. They were raised in a good family. They're an upstanding citizen. They spend the, one afternoon a week volunteering in a homeless shelter. Your other friend, they work in a bar. They've had a pretty rough upbringing. They joke about how they steal money from work, and they spend most of their time drinking and betting on the horses. There's your two friends. Imagine we're running an evangelistic course here at church, which we hope to do next year, uh, and you can only invite one of them for some reason. Which one are you going to invite to hear the gospel? Which one do you think is more likely to accept Jesus? Is it the morally upright social worker or the degenerate from the pub? Which one do you think is more likely? Now, of course, it's an artificial example. Invite them both. But if these were my friends, I'll tell you, nine times out of ten, I'm inviting the social worker because functionally I still believe that justification depends on us. But friends, if faith is given, it means our justification doesn't depend on us at all. Not even a bit. It means the social worker and the guy who steals from work. It means the CEO and the prostitute. They're all on a level playing field right alongside me and all of us. All of us need one thing and one thing only. Faith. It doesn't matter how good you are or how much your life looks like that of a respectable Christian. We are justified only by faith. Because faith is given, the promises of God, they're available freely and equally to everyone. 
which means you here today can be counted right with God. There is no sinner too sinful, no rebel too rebellious, no atheist too stubborn. Anyone can come to faith in Christ Jesus. The first thing that we see about faith is that faith is given by God. The second thing to know is that faith is placed in God. Verse 17, Paul continues his explanation of how all believers are children of Abraham. And he writes, uh, he, that's Abraham, our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Now, here Paul is making a simple yet really profound statement that a Christian in Rome or a Christian in Nusa is a child of Abraham because they both put their faith in the same God, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. But do you know what this shows us? It shows us that faith is not simply accepting information. Faith is not believing there is a God. James says that even demons believe there is a God and shudder. No, faith is not simply believing that the Bible is true. You can believe that the Bible is true without faith. Faith is not believing information. It is trust in a person. When God promised Abraham that he would become a dad, even though he was as good as dead and his wife was the same, he didn't believe that promise because it was logical. He didn't believe that promise because he drew a deep breath and shut his eyes and willed himself to believe. Abraham believed the promise because he looked at the one who made the promise. Now, if anyone else had told Abraham that he was going to be a dad when he's 100 years old, he would have had every right to laugh in their face. But when God said it, Abraham believed because he trusted God. I've been bungee jumping a few times in my life. Um, Each time, the instructors have gone out of their way to show me that I can trust the rope. It's a strange thing they do, but before you go bungee jumping, they show you the rope and they let you touch the rope. In fact, they put the rope over my shoulders to let me feel its weight. It's a solid rope. Um, they, They tell me about how it could carry 25 elephants without breaking or something. They want you to trust the rope. But to say that you've bungee jumped, you need to do more than just know that the rope is strong. You need to do more than just believe that the rope is strong enough to arrest you before you splatter on the ground below. No, bungee jumping is not about believing information. It is about letting the rope take your weight. It's about entrusting yourself to the rope and jumping. It's the same with faith. Faith is not believing information. 
It is entrusting yourself to a person, relying on them. Now, that's what Abraham did when God made him those promises. Abraham lived as if those promises were real, as if they were true. And so when God said, go, he went. When God said, sacrifice your son, Abraham was willing to go through with it. He trusted the God who made the promises. And so he entrusted himself and his life to God. Friends, that's what faith is. It's not just believing some information, not just believing that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins, but living as if that is true. Relying on him to make us right with God. Resting in those promises instead of frantically trying to make ourselves righteous. Our faith is given by God. Our faith is placed in God. It's reliance on God. Thirdly, finally, our faith is based upon God. And what I mean by that is that faith is not a leap in the dark. It is, in fact, a rational response to who God is. The key verse here is verse 21, where we're told that Abraham didn't waver in unbelief, but was strengthened in his faith, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Lots of people today think that faith is the exact opposite of reason. Just this week, I spoke to a Christian guy on the phone who, who talked about faith and reason as, as opposite. And he kind of tried to explain how he had both. But friends, reason... Uh, sorry, the, people kind of talk about it. Like, reason is when you think and act in response to facts. And faith is when you just ignore the facts and respond however you like. That is not the case. Faith is not the opposite of reason. It's the opposite of that. Faith is the reasonable, logical, rational response to who God is. Now, if anyone else were to promise Abraham and Sarah that they would have children, it would be completely unreasonable to believe them. It's impossible. But it was not just anyone who made those promises to them, was it? We're told in verse 17, it was the God who gives life to the dead. It was the God who brings things out of nothing. If that God says he's going to make Abraham a father, well, believing that he couldn't do it would actually require far more faith. The the most rational response to that God making that promise is to believe it. That's the most logical thing you could do. Would you bet against the God who can speak galaxies into existence? Would you bet against him giving an old man a son? That's that's child's play for him. That's easy. Abraham was fully persuaded that he had the power to do that, so he trusted. Trusting in God's promises is the rational response to what we know of God and his character. 
Which means that if God can create the whole universe with just a word, if God can bring life to the dead, we can be fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he's promised us and declare us righteous through the work of Christ. That's not a leap in the dark. That's completely rational. Now, that has two very important implications. I'm going to finish with these. Firstly, that shows us how to get faith. Now, I guess the first thing to say is that if you want faith, the first thing you need to do is ask for it. Faith is given. So ask the giver. He delights in giving good gifts to his children. He tells us that. Ask him. But alongside that, if faith is the rational response to who God is, the way for us to get faith, the way for us to overcome doubt, the way for us to get strengthened in our faith is to get acquainted with God. Study him. Immerse yourself in the promises that he makes. See how he never fails to keep them. See how trustworthy he is. Examine God's past performance and you will get a very strong indication of future returns. He always comes through. And so if you want to get faith, look at God. That's the first implication. If you want faith, if you want to be strengthened in your faith, familiarize yourself with the one your faith is in. But the second implication is that this shows us what we do with our doubts. In verse 20, we read that even though Abraham was as good as dead, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Now, if you know the Abraham story, that might sound a little off to you. Because Abraham sort of did waver, didn't he? He he doubted. He lied because he doubted. He cheated because he doubted. But all this shows us that what matters is not how strong Abraham's faith was, but who the faith was in. In making the promise, uh, sorry, if, sorry, if inheriting the promise depended on the strength of Abraham's faith, he would have wavered, he would have failed, he would never have made it. But because the promise didn't depend on that, on him, but on God, it meant Abraham could continue to trust even when he failed. You see, Abraham is not a a picture of perfect obedience. He lied, sold his wife down the river. He cheated with his wife's servant. Abraham wavered. He doubted. He failed. He tripped and fell. But those failures don't get in the way of him inheriting the promise because the promise doesn't depend on him. It depends on God. And so you see, it's the same for us. Your justification doesn't depend on how strong your faith is or on how infrequently you doubt. 
The thing that matters is who your faith is in. Think of it like this. Imagine there's three friends on a bushwalk and they come across one of those long, narrow, dodgy, wobbly suspension bridges. And the first walker strides up to it and just walks across, doesn't even blink, confidently striding across the bridge. The second person in the group, they're a bit more hesitant. They walk gingerly, both hands tightly gripping the cables on the side. But eventually they make it to the other side. The third person is terrified. They're in tears, they're screaming, they cannot bring themselves to step onto that bridge. Their two friends are like, hurry up, get on it, you'll be fine. We've seen us walk across it, hurry up. Well, they close their eyes, they crawl, and soon enough, they make it across the bridge. Do you see they all made it? (laughs) All three of them made it across the bridge. Two people had strong faith, one had almost no faith. But what matters was not how strong their faith was, but that they put their weight on the bridge. It doesn't matter how much they trusted the bridge, the fact that they put their weight on the bridge was enough. They trusted. And so, friends, it's the same for us. It's the same for Christians. Strong faith, weak faith, doesn't matter. The thing that matters is who your faith is in. And so, friends, will you let God take the weight? Will you rely on him? Will you entrust yourself to him? Friends, faith is given, so ask for it. Faith is in God, it's not in ourselves. Faith is the rational response to who God is, so let's keep our eyes fixed on him because you can trust him let me pray father god we thank you that we can trust you we thank you that you have promised that all who believe in the lord jesus will be saved that it is guaranteed and that it is open to all of us we thank you that there is nothing that will discredit us from taking hold of these promises. We marvel that no matter how sinful we are, no matter how rebellious we have been, no matter how frequently we doubt, if we trust in you, fully resting in the finished work of Christ, then we can know with certainty that we will be declared right with you. Lord, give us this faith, we pray. Keep us from trusting in ourselves. Keep us from that roller coaster of anxiety where we think that we need to have enough faith and that we need to conjure up that faith from within ourselves. Lord, help us rest in you, rejoicing that We are declared righteous, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Help us know that it is finished. And we pray this in his name. Amen.